Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I have a question. If you could change what people give out at Halloween, what would you pick? Frank Opinions. Frank opinions. Okay, explain. <laughs> no, it probably wouldn't be good, but if you walk up to someone's house and they're like, I'm just going to tell you what I really think about your costume, about being oh. a neighbor to you. Clayton's about... just going to unleash, <laughs> unleash on all just of the like neighborhood old kids. man rants. Like, that's what you're going to get. No, I. so I, I thought about it and and I was like, well, anything, anything that, I, you know, like, if you were like giving out money, then you realize you're just, it like exposes the economics of of Halloween where it's like, all I'm doing is buying myself candy, but instead of taking the candy I bought myself, I'm going to go and get candy from everybody else, but also give away my candy. So I end up with about the same amount of candy as I bought. So all we're doing is buying ourselves candy. So if I would like gave out $100 bill, or I'd want to get $100 bills, well, I'd give out $100 bills. I'd end up with probably a similar amount of money as I gave out. And it just, I don't know what that means. Like it just, I, I couldn't think of something. Wow. So you're saying it doesn't matter because no matter what you hand you, out, you end up with, end up with it anyway. roughly the same thing back. Well, I was going to do gift cards. So that would make sense then. Unless like, you know, I, unless I it bought. Re- it rewards the people who go to more houses. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Huh. So it's capitalism. It rewards hard work, entrepreneurship. Or, or is it? I don't know. Well, the kids that go to more no, no, the, I'm thinking about the, the kids that go to more houses get more stuff. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm still thinking about Clayton just <laughs> unleashing on the neighborhood kids with all of his frank opinions. Uh, yeah. The other thing about this whole you buy candy, you get candy back is you don't get all the candy that you like. So you might as well just go out and buy all the candy I you know you like. you like. Or if you're if you're exchanging gift cards, you're going to get gift cards that you don't want to use. It's true. So, so there is no good answer to this so question. I, I did. I did think a little bit. I, someone, uh, a friend of mine, went to Disney World, and they said there's this thing they do there. I haven't been to Disney World since I was a child, so I don't know what this is. But they, where people buy pins, and they like, they're like little metal pins of a character. You know, it's like Mickey Mouse or a Disney princess or Mandalorian or something, and they like put them on all these little stations all around the park, and you can take a pin if you leave a pin, and mm-hmm. so you end up with like a variety of different things that didn't come in like the pack you bought. And so it's sort of like trading or whatever. I was thinking like those little kind of like, like collectible kinds of things like that might be fun. Kids go around and they're like, Oh, I came back with, you know, this character or that, you know, this sports team or whatever. And like, I don't know, something that's a tangible little token. Well, that could work. I have no good answer to this question. Yeah, I don't Because either. any answer I come up with, I realize that I have to stand at my door and hand out. So now I'm trying. Now I'm trying to think about things that I would. What would you want? Find to fun out? to stand at my front door on Halloween and do, and I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm still thinking it's, about it's Frank opinions. Frank opinions. Like, <laughs> That's the best answer right there. Can you imagine telling a kid at your door like, your costume is terrible? <laughs> I, I'm not even sure your parents love you if they let you go out of the house <laughs> oh, dressed like that. Like, I don't even know what you are. Can you imagine just devastating children? Oh. Is that a pirate? It looks like you're wearing your grandma's shirt. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, so somewhere in this answer is 
something about teenagers and kids that are just way too old to be trick or treating. But I don't, I don't know what my answer is. This is this is a good is this is a good time opinion? to request for this, this is a good time to request for listener feedback. If you have a really good answer to this question, then email us at podcast at biblesavvy.com and let us know what you think. Speaking of listener feedback, Clayton, we do have. We some. did. We get did. It's. All right, so we've got a little bit of listener feedback. It, it was more like a listener gift, which was very much appreciated. So a while back, a couple months ago, we uh, made the joke that uh, if we were going to make up a holiday, I said, bring your pastor a milkshake day was the holiday I'd make up. And so along the way, a couple of people have uh, you know kindly brought a milkshake, uh, which thank you. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, this woman walks into church and gives us a gift card uh, for milkshakes. So she had one for Nikki and one for Eric and one for me, which was uh, wonderful. But she told me the story about how she listens to the podcast. She has to take uh, a family member to an appointment really early in the morning. And so she's out there like four o'clock in the morning uh, for whatever this appointment is. And she's like, there's nothing open. I can't get breakfast. I can't go get a cup of coffee or whatever. I like, I just got to sit there. So what does she do? She listens to the podcast. And so she's been listening to back episodes of, of the podcast and learning more about the Bible and spending that time well. And so, uh, if this is early in the morning for you and you're listening to this, we just want to know that we love you and we're thankful for the, uh, the gift of the, the milkshakes. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? All right, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 31. I think last week I said that if you were going to have kind of the one or two most famous passages from Jeremiah, last week we talked about one of them. Today we're talking about the other one. Uh, Jeremiah 31 is um, after the exiles happen. So this is sort of uh, in the the wake of all of the things that Jeremiah has predicted. Uh, It seems like it's all fallen apart. So you've got to think from the perspective of the people of Judah They've got all of these promises from God that they're, that, you know, they've held on to for generations where God has said, I'm going to you know, give you land. I'm going to make you a great people. I'm going to be with you. You're going to have a king. Here's you know, my presence in the temple and the tabernacle and all of these wonderful things that God said he's going to do. But after the exile, basically all of those are gone. Like the people still exist, but they don't have any of those promises, the land or the temple or the king or any of that stuff. And so in some ways... They're at a place of saying, does God actually keep his promises? Or, or is there any future for us? Or is it all lost? Like, is the story over? Do we mess it up so bad that there's no future for us? And this is God's response to that. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. As you know, we recommend always watching a Bible project video before you start a book of the Bible. It's also a really good idea to revisit that Bible project video when you're about halfway through a really long book like Jeremiah. So check out the Bible project video on Jeremiah, refresh your memory, resituate yourself. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right, I'm going to have Eric read the passage. We are going to read the first six verses, and then we're going to jump down to verse 31 through 37. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. And now skipping ahead to verse 31. 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and the stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease from being a nation before me. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of all they have done, declares the Lord. All right, let's talk about the O in comma, which is observations. What do you see in this? One of the things that I saw was this repeating word uh, of covenant and this idea of um, finding favor and giving rest and kind of like a like a bringing like a restoring restoration of of what was. Yeah, actually, let's talk about that word covenant because it's obviously really important in this passage. It comes up a lot, seems to be central. Um, covenant isn't a word we use very often uh, these days, but uh, the shorthand that I like to, to use for myself is to think of it as a promise, but a particular type of promise. It's not just someone saying, oh, hey, I'm going to do this, I, I promise. It's a promise that forms a relationship. So it takes people who were not in a relationship and creates a relationship. One way uh, scholars talk about it is it takes non-family and turns them into family. So the covenants that we have in our society are things like marriage and adoption, where people who are not family family, by making promises to each other, become family. But in the ancient world, they would use this as a way of uh, almost creating treaties or alliances between people. So it's almost like saying they, they would structure their alliances by saying, hey, if we were brothers, we would defend each other. Or if you you were my child and I was your parent, then I would look out for you in these ways. And so what they would do is they would make a promise to each other to form that kind of relationship. So this is what God did early on in Israel's history. He called them out and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a covenant where I'm going to be like your father and you're going to be like my children. Or sometimes the uh, analogy is, I'm going to be like a husband, you're going to be like a bride. And there was this uh, imagery of saying, we're going to make a commitment that's going to form a relationship. And so God is saying, I'm going to reform that covenant in, in this passage. So an observation in verse 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, uh, which which causes me then to look at the, the following verses and try to figure out in what ways is the new covenant different than the old covenant. Yeah, because he says in verse 32, it will not be like the covenant that I made before. And so, so what are the, the ways that it's different from that? Because there are some things that seem similar. You know, there's some, some things about it that feel like a renewal of old things, but there's, there's got to be some difference. The, the obvious difference being, if you jump down to verse 33, I will put my law in their minds, so there's still a law, uh, and I will write it on their hearts. It used to be written on tablets, mm-hmm. but now he's going to write his law on hearts, which then starts begging all kinds of other questions like, what the heck does that mean? Like that God's going to inscribe things on our hearts and in our minds. Uh, how will he do that? What does that mean? 
Lots of questions. Yeah, when you look at uh, verse 32, and it, it says, oh, it won't be like this covenant I made with them when I rescued them from Egypt. The thing that God highlights is, because they broke my covenant. And so this is going to be the thing that's going to be different. Something, it's not, the old covenant was not uh, bad or defective in some way, but the people who were in it were. <laughs> and so that's that's where the real change needs to happen. Sometimes people look at the Old Testament and they're like, well, do we need that anymore? Or it was super harsh. Or They, they kind of have these caricatures of the Old Testament or the, the, the previous law. But when you look at how people talked about it, like in the Psalms and places, they're like, this is a wonderful, good thing. The problem with it was, we couldn't keep our end of the deal. And and so uh, this would have been wonderful if we had been the kind of people who could do it. Yeah, part of the problem is that we didn't keep our end of the deal. Part of the problem is we didn't want to keep our end of the deal. And I think this is, this is part of what's going on here with uh, having the law written on tablets versus written on our hearts and minds. There's There's some kind of switch going on here from external to internal where God wants a people, if God, God has this burning passion and love for his people, and his people didn't return that love. And so it's how does, th- this is the fascinating question of how does God put that love inside of us, but keep it still our choice so it can actually be love? This is where your brain starts to melt out of your ears. Well, even to like, uh, is it 34, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. So all of the people are going to know him now? Like, you know, like, it's just like this intrinsic internal thing that they're going to know? Is that what that means? Yeah, so that begs the question, when when is he talking about? Yeah. Because he says, after that time, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel mm-hmm. after that time. Well, what time? What What time are we talking about? And are we living in that time now? Like, is God putting his law? I think most Christians would say God right now is putting his law on our hearts and in our minds. But then you look at this verse and it says, everyone will know me. Well, well, everyone doesn't know him right now. Mm-hmm. So is that now? It's begging the when question. Oh, Eric is just like, he, hey, he, Eric hasn't, Eric hasn't made a statement. He's only asked questions this whole time. And it's kind of driving me crazy. Cause I got this list of questions in my head. I'm like, when are we going to answer them? <laughs> that's, that's, where's our st- segment? Hey, Clayton. <laughs> oh, it's right here. Hey, Clayton. Hey, Clayton. When is the when in this passage? Oh my gosh. Um, so let me, let me give a clue. Cause this comes from outside of this. And this is probably where you have heard this passage. If you have been to a church when they have celebrated communion, certainly if you've been there when I've been leading communion at Christ Community Church, I say this each time, uh, Jesus, when he was, you know, do, doing the Last Supper, he said on, you know, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he broke it, he gave thanks, da, 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 da. And then it says, and then he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So what Jesus was saying to his disciples, who knew this Jeremiah passage well, is what I'm doing right now and dying on the cross, or what he's about to do, right? And what's happening right here among us as you eat and drink with me is this new covenant is coming into play with you. And if you uh, look at the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews very much unpacks this and says that the new covenant that we now have replaces the old, and here are the ways that it works better, and it kind of unpacks those in, in much more detail. Um, so the New Testament writers, including Jesus himself, uh, say, this new covenant has happened. Now, there are things in there that you say, wow, it sounds really lofty. But when you read it and you you realize, you say, okay, 
it says, uh, the law is in their, their minds and written on their hearts. Well, Eric kept saying, well, how's that going to happen? How's this going to happen? I want to be like, dude, you wrote a book about this. <laughs> when God oh, sent the funny. Holy Spirit, um, that's, when, that's when he was doing that, right? Like something inside of us is different because God is with us on the inside. Um, it talks about being forgiven. Well, that's clearly happened in Jesus. Uh, even knowing God, um, there is something different about saying the Holy Spirit is in us. And so... When I talk to someone else who's a believer about God, I'm not talking about something theoretical that they don't know about. I'm talking about something they've experienced. Even even if they need new words for it, they it's something that they've tasted, right? So some these these things are happening. Observation verse 37. I I love the reassurance that the Lord gives here. This is what the Lord says, only if the heavens above can be measured, which they can't, and the foundations of the earth below be fully searched out, which they can't, will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of all they have done God's love for his people his he's tender hearted he want he wants to reassure his people that he's not going to fully abandon them I love that Clayton I want to circle back uh, to what you had said about um, I will put my law in their heart or in their minds and write it on their hearts and I'm thinking about that connection with um, you know the the words that God has spoken to them and then the Holy Spirit coming and living on the inside and drawing what Jesus said in uh, John, I think it's it's chapter 15 or 16, where he says to the disciples, um, like, when when I leave you, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, who is the advocate. And when, when I go, he's going to remind you of all the things I've said. Uh, so I'm not leaving you, like, I'm, I'm still going to be here just in a different way. And all the things that you heard from me, I'm going to remind you. Um, and so that's just a really pretty picture of the fact that, um, that we constantly have that with us, even when we don't think that we do. The Holy Spirit is always there reminding us of the things that we've read in God's Word or the things that we've heard uh, talked about on a, in a weekend service. Um, and He's using those things to continue to grow us in relationship with Him and to remind us of how He wants us to carry out our lives. It's just a, it's just a really cool picture that we get a glimpse of that in here and then hear about it a little more fully when Jesus comes and talks about it. Yeah, I think when we talk about having a new heart— um, that's a really cool prospect. And sometimes I think we, um, I, I think we overlook the fact that God really is renewing us, that we, that we are not um, staying the same old stuck people that we were. And sometimes we feel like that, you know, you get in a season where you're like, man, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really got to do better. Or, you know, I'm not as far along as I want. Um, but the reality is real transformation is happening. And that like, that's incredible. That's what people want, right? Like the, the main thing that when it comes down to it is you're like, I wish I wasn't the way I was. And so many people are trying to improve themselves. And it's like, no, actually God's making you a whole new creature. You know, he's, he's transforming your, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling Mm -hmm. when you, when you think about it. I had one other observation. Um, it's, it's kind of a small one, but, uh, after having read the first half of Jeremiah, I was struck in verse four when God calls Israel virgin Israel, because for chapter upon chapter, God is saying, you're an unfaithful wife. You're a prostitute. You're committing spiritual adultery. Like, like that is the predominant image to mm-hmm. like the metaphor for the sin that of of going to other gods. And so, on the other side of whatever this you know purifying process is, God has come back and and said, "No, you're virgin Israel." Like it's it's it, it, it's even in the uh, part where it talks about the covenant, where it's like, "I will remember your sins no more." 
It's like it never happened. It's not that God literally forgot all the things, but like, no, 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 no. The way I'm treating you is as whole and blameless and as if the, all of the all of that infidelity didn't happen, I'm, we're coming back to, to where you were meant to be. Like there's there's something very profound in just that simple uh, way of addressing his his people here. All right, let's talk about one of the M's in common. Let's talk about message here. What message do you guys get? I will base my message off of Clayton's observation about virgin Israel and say, if Israel's slate can be wiped clean and be made new, so can you. All right, I've got to base my message right off the text because I really can't think of any better way to say it. Um, God has put his law in my mind and he has written it on my heart. Uh, my message is based off of those verses that talk about, you know, if, if the, it, the the earth would have to pass away and you have to search it all or whatever for God to break his covenant for it to go away. So I'm just going to say this. God's covenant with us is not going away. And we know that's true because Jesus fulfilled it. And so it's guaranteed. It's done. And the Holy Spirit is in us and he's not going to uh, you know stop until we're done. So God's covenant with us is not going away. All right, let's go on to the second M in comma, which is meditation. This is when we prayerfully ponder a section of the the passage that we're reading. We have a conversation with God about it. So let me read to you verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Let's talk about the A in comma, which stands for application. What do we do in response to this passage? Okay, my application is based off of my message, which I took right from the passage we just meditated on. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. Um, I am so thankful that I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And I think the one thing that we often forget is um, that, like I said earlier, when we read God's Word, when we hear it uh, taught in a weekend service, when we talk about it in our community groups, that the Holy Spirit is using those things to, um, to, to, to root them down inside of our hearts and in our minds. And then weeks, months, years later, um, even passages that we've, we've read uh, a hundred times before, um, he will bring about something to our minds, to our hearts uh, to draw our attention to God, to teach us something about Him in a new way, uh, to point us in a direction of, hey, maybe no, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Maybe you should be doing this instead. It's all of this beautiful picture of Him literally working in us in every moment to remind us of who God is, who Jesus is, what He's done for us, what His Word says, and how we're supposed to live it out. It's a beautiful picture. I want to do an application off of Nikki's message, too. I will I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. That means that Nikki never has to go to Things Remembered ever again. What, wait, what's Things Remembered? What's Things Remembered? 
No. There's no way. You guys do not know the store things remembered? No. No. <laughs> no. Oh my Wait, goodness. Is this like an old versus young thing? I, 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 is this like is not this generation in our thing? generation? This I didn't think it gap? was, but now I'm feeling pretty bad about my age. <laughs> you really don't know what things remembered is? No. no. Think think like American malls. I've been I've been to a few. Yeah. Okay, like all of <laughs> the standard the stores that are in malls. Things yeah. remembered is one of them. Well, what kind Think, of store was it? Things remembered was a store. I don't know if any still exist, but probably not. Malls aren't. They doing great. sold <laughs> all kinds of like keychains and plaques and picture frames and flasks that you could have engraved. Wait, this is a store that you would go in and get things engraved. Yes. On. Uh, sorry, still lost me. Okay, so like if there was one by the when food you said court. Fla- when you said flasks, Nikki's eyes lit up like, oh, no. is that- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that store, <laughs> that that bad connection. No, this they they had this store in. Well, the mall is closed down now, but it was by the food court. That's how I remember it because I'd be like, who goes in there and buys those things? <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, you go in there, you buy stuff, and you have it engraved. But uh, you don't need to go to Things Remembered anymore because God's written His law on your heart. Wow, oh my gosh. That, that's amazing. Wow, I thank you. For kind that. of regret bringing that up. <laughs> do you have a you have an actual application? I do. If my message is, if Israel's slate can be wiped clean and be made new, so can you. Uh, and so, it it causes me to think about whether or not there are some areas in my life that God could be making new. You know, when you walk with the Lord for a long time, I mean, I've been walking with Jesus since I was 15. And so at a certain point, you 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 feel like if I hit cruise control, am I just kind of going through the motions? Or, or is God still doing remarkable work in my life where there are places in my life that he's making new? Is he still doing that? And so uh, to to ask the Lord, where are there places where you're trying to make me new and become aware of them? I just love the thought that God makes things new. Uh, my message was about how God's covenant is not going away. And so my application is really specific. It's about what do you do when we celebrate communion? Because this is where you're going to hear that passage over and over again. And um, in the early church, they would have been thinking about Jeremiah when that happened. So we, we probably should too. Uh, here's, here's how I like to think about communion. Because uh, let's be honest, like we're just a moment of, of you know reality here. If you've been at church for a while, you can get to communion weekends and have it be sort of like, well, okay, this is kind of just what we do. You know, I walk the thing, I grab the thing, I eat the thing. And it, it becomes something that you're like, well, it's not completely meaningless, but I, I've stopped engaging fully in it. It's just a, a thing I'm used to, right? I'm acclimated to it. I like to think of it like if a covenant is um, something like a marriage, right? Like there, there, there's a commitment, a relationship there that what I'm doing it's not just getting sort of a, a little kind of reminder of what Jesus did. I'm actually interacting with Jesus saying, all right, as I eat and drink this, this is like renewing my vows. This is, this is, this is hearing you again say these promises are still true because the, the covenant's not going away. And that as I eat and drink this, I'm saying I still live based on these. I, I take them in. I celebrate and thank you for them. I'm still in on this relationship. This ongoing covenant that isn't going away gets kind of refreshed and renewed each time we come to communion. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week, friends. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can go to BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.